Nikki, are, are your ears okay? No. <laughs> in a lot of pain. Ugh. Mine get like really hot. The episode hasn't even started yet. And you're already, oh, your ears God. are already in pain. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, we'll just wait until <laughs> we get into this. Um, yeah. So this week on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, we've got a good, uh, a good conversation with a guy. I say that like past conversations haven't been awesome. Yeah, that was rude. That shouldn't. Have been. <laughs> and as if we already recorded the conversation. Well, yeah, it hasn't even happened yet. Anyway, that's so a rewind. That that was the second. That was only the number two awkward thing he'd said in that whole intro. Because what the first was, it, what was number one. Was the first because your your ears already hurt. Just yeah, wait till we get started. I that too. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait for this terrible podcast. <laughs> I love I love how you guys are helping me tee this all up. Anyway, Andrew Egger. <laughs> Uh, DC reporter for the dispatch.com is going to be our guest today. He was live at the Capitol on January 6th, and he's going to tell us what he saw. It's the cold oatmeal podcast. Uh, <laughs> Didn't your microphone break? When we were- no, I was an idiot. I think I had something muted. Wasn't paying attention. You okay? It's my allergies. Literally. I have COVID. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I don't have COVID. Jimmy got tested to be sure. You couldn't have, like, edited that better. Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's cold oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his desk. It's always here. It's always here. And by the way, the, the, the ratio of, like, fruit to disgusting is, like, 1 to 10. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, there's like nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that! <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, and people are giggling all around the room. This is the way we like to kick off. <laughs> off an episode this is matt resh i am uh, the owner of resh strategies and we bring you this podcast every other thursday um, you can find all of our episodes at uh, reststrategies.com where, where you will learn that we are a public affairs and a public relations firm <laughs> headquartered in lansing michigan as i read my talking points in yep. reverse order today uh, you can also find us on twitter on instagram and facebook at rest strategies all these podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and of course on Twitter at Cold Oatmeal Pod. I got through it. Excellent job. Good job. Okay, let's go through. We got this is this is a monumental episode, if for no other reason than I think this is the first time all seven of us have been together on the podcast together since those dark days of when we were all zooming in on in the pandemic mm, maybe that was, was that probably the, the last did we time do, i don't i don't know did we all even make it for that i don't know probably if we did. not the last one i can remember time. was like in the conference room with um the three the three uh, reporters right before wow. christmas like a like oh. two years ago well so we had to trick stephanie into we, had, we told stephanie <laughs> that we were going to be editing some annual reports today and so she, she said i'll be there i'm coming in <laughs> Are there charts? <laughs> so, so, step, so she walked in and she had a red marker and we s- s- slapped these headphones on her and said, okay, we're doing a podcast instead. <laughs> so I'm going to start to my right because you're here. I'm here. Stephanie Vancouver. Very nice. Joe Bashi. Carly Buell. Nikki O'Meara. And in the Zoom. Uh, Nick DeLue is here. Laura Beale. The energy really yeah, plummeted real. when we went to right. Zoom. I'm here. I'm here, baby. Nick DeLue. <laughs> Oh, virtual. Oh. Anyway, virtual energy. It's great to be. It's great to all be here, distanced and safe. It is nice. Cool. Go team. So today we have uh, a great guest on a uh, young reporter named Andrew Egger. Uh, Andrew writes for thedispatch.com, uh, which is a new uh, outlet that started just over a year ago, uh, based in D.C., covers a lot of uh, politics, um, U.S. government stuff. Um, he has a he wrote with uh, the Weekly Standard before that, and uh, he is here, going to be with us talking because he was at the Capitol on January 6th. He was assigned to head down the morning of to see uh, what that rally was going to look like and then was there as the day kind of unfolded. So that's what we're going to do today on the Colonial Podcast. 
Thoughts? You good? Sounds yeah. good. Nice. Can't wait. Perfect. Andrew Egger. Andrew Egger, thanks so much for being with us on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, no, this is this would be fun. I wanted to um, first of all, you know, we in the intro to this, we talked a little bit about the dispatch.com and the place where you you write on a daily basis. Um, one of the contributing writers of the the morning dispatch that comes out every morning, uh, but also was sharing that I had a chance to listen to you talk about your experiences on January 6th. And so wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. But before we did that, I just what what's it like in DC these days? It feels like a, a million miles away from from here. And I'm wondering what what it's like there trying to cover the Capitol and COVID. Well, uh, it's it's quiet <laughs> for, for starters. Um, when, when we've got people going in uh, to the Capitol, I don't know if you guys know that the new thing is to double mask. Um, so that's the that's the sort of new hotness um, is instead of, you know, just just people who are who are wearing a mask um, versus people who aren't wearing one as, as sort of the uh, the uh, are you taking this thing seriously uh, status thing that's going on the one the one look sort um now it's people who are wearing two masks versus one or people having n95 i mean it, it makes sense at the capitol because you know it's all tight quarters and um and uh uh, uh a lot of people i i, I the the it, reporting on the capitol is a really bad um a bad thing to do uh, for for starters in the time of COVID because basically what you have is uh, a, a congressperson or a senator walking down the hall and then like the tightest smash of bodies that you can imagine of reporters like trying to get their recorder in their face, um, you know, to 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 catch the things they're saying and things like that. So you're you're already playing, you know, with a bad hand of cards. Um, so uh, so that's the that that's really the biggest difference um, for for for. Uh, COVID era reporting versus versus uh, the the regular source is everybody's a little bit oh goodness are we really are we really doing this right now and uh, and all of that but I mean uh, if, if you're talking about now versus you know a, a month ago um, the it, it's a little surprising how normal it has already started to feel just in terms of like resuming those ordinary rhythms you know we're back in a regular um, legislative session we've got uh, the House and the Senate conducting. Um, you know, unusual business, but, but sort of ordinary business, um, going to votes and everything. There's still all the new security around the Capitol complex, which is weird. Um, but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a far cry from the kind of anarchy and stuff that we saw, um, just about a month ago. And I, I will say that, uh, I actually have not been into the the Capitol complex in a, in a little while. Um, we had, I had a couple of my coworkers who've been there, um, uh, scoping out votes and things for the last couple of days. I've actually been kind of stuck at home because we had a, uh, uh, a COVID exposure in my, in my household, um, uh, close to a week ago. So we're, we're sort of writing, writing out the clock on that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that's basically the way it goes. How many masks are you wearing right now? I mean, Matt's got three on. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, sequestered back in my own little home office, I am I'm daring to wear zero masks at the moment. <laughs> Brave new world. You know, don't tell anybody. Right. <laughs> well, I, I know that I know that one of the things that the, the reporters here who cover the Michigan Capitol have talked about missing the least is those uh, those uh, scrums where they're all kind of shoulder to shoulder and shoving microphones into people's faces. So they've, well, I think they have they have not liked the the limited access they've they've had to deal with as far as you know, um, assigned questions and, and questions from a Zoom from the governor and other people, I think that they have liked. Right. Keep some right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was sort of surprised. I mean, that that it went, you know, back as quickly as it did. I mean, I guess it's just sort of the the imperatives of the of the job is if, if these people are going to say something to reporters, you want it to be in your outlet. So it's, um, you know, you 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 mask up best you can and you uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what all you do, but uh, that's just sort of the way it's the way it's gotten back to going in the in the Capitol. So before we get to January 6th, I wanted to give you a chance. What what exactly for people who aren't familiar with the dispatch? What is the dispatch dot com and, and what you guys do there? Yeah, sure. So there's a there's a few elements of it. One is um, we, we were founded in uh, that they had the idea for it early 2019, late 2018, um, finally got off the ground uh, fall of 2019. So we've been going at this about a year and a half. Um, we're, we're sort of made up of 
some cast about a third cast offs from the uh, the old defunct uh, Weekly Standard magazine. I worked there for a couple of years um, prior to coming here. Um, a, a few about a third uh, people who were formerly at National Review, um, the conservative magazine in New York, and uh, and a third sort of newcomers um, who weren't at either place. And the idea is um, a couple of things. One is that we are very deliberately trying to get away from the sort of uh, clicks and traffic and ad revenue centric model um, that has, in our opinion, sort of broken web journalism slowly but surely over the last uh, 15 or 20 years, just because of the perverse incentives um, that go along with that, both in terms of making a uh, kind of a bad user experience for readers and just uh, just the editorial pressure to, um, to maximize the explosiveness of content. So it's uh, shared widely on social media and all those sorts of things. Um, so it's a subscription-based model rather than a traffic-based model. Um, and uh, and uh, accompanying that is that our, our primary offerings are newsletters and podcasts. Um, you mentioned uh, the, the Morning Dispatch team, which is uh, where I spend a, a large portion of my of my uh, working hours, um, which is just our our, uh, our daily uh, Monday through Friday morning uh, news of the day newsletter. Um, and then the uh, the other side of the coin then is just that we are um, we're, we are a conservative media company. We're a you know center right media company, sort of how we we frame ourselves. Um, but we are we don't really see uh, our competition as being uh, all the other uh, conservative media publications out there, of which there are a a whole lot of them, and b you know many many good ones. Um, but which very frequently end up having the same sort of content always, which is there's a, it's, it's very heavy on, um, even for the good ones, it's very heavy on analysis, very heavy on um, kind of policy argumentation and things like that. And as you get into the maybe not so good ones or not so um, meaty ones, it's just a lot of, um, I don't know, grievance or signaling or uh, essentially just better or worse categories of opinion writing. And we're trying to... Um, fill what we see as a gap where if you are just sort of interested in being informed about the things that are going on in the, in the world and in Washington, um, but don't necessarily uh, feel like you have a lot of built up trust in existing media institutions, quote unquote, mainstream media institutions, which tend to be um, at the very least left of center, right? Um, you know, there are good, again, good ones and bad ones, but, but which are going to tend to come from that place. Um, even, even, you know, outlets like the New York times, Washington post Politico, um, that's sort of the the space that we're trying to carve out for ourselves is that we're not, you know, we're not pretending not to be conservative. We're not pretending that we are sort of like brains in jars or, um, or kind of, you know, the one true Oracle of, of the actual facts of the, of the situation at any given time, which is sort of the perspective that some of these um, institutional news organizations uh, take with uh, greater or less uh, results or better or worse results, I guess I should say, um, just because, you know, you can't, you can't be a brain in a bat. Everybody, ha everybody brings, um, you know, their, their own perspective and their own, uh, 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 notions, slant bias, whatever you want to call it, um, to these stories. So we, we, uh, essentially are trying to not, uh, not make a secret of the fact that this is our outlook, but also always keep it at the forefront that the mission is, to be informing and to be, you know, just, just sort of bringing people up to speed on what's going on in the world rather than to be winning any particular argument or particularly um, carrying water for any particular uh, political coalition. Are you finding the model is working? The, the subscription membership model versus the ad model? Well, I, 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 um, I am thankful. Do they let you see the books? Yeah, I, I, we, uh, I have, you know, there there are like sort of revenue numbers and things like that that are just sort of floating around in our CMS that I sort of click furtively over to every once in a while. I, I, I'm thankful that all that stuff is sort of above my pay grade. I sort of just write and, uh, and hope, hope people, you know, read it. Um, but but yes, I've actually been been very pleasantly surprised um, at the at the amount of positive feedback we've gotten at the the rate at which our um, subscriber base has grown. I mean, obviously we are still a, a young, um, startup and, uh, and one that's, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, the, the, the way it spreads is essentially word of mouth, right? I mean, um, uh, 
a couple of our our top editors, you know, are on Fox sometimes and things like that. Jonah Goldberg and Steve Hayes. I mean, so that helps, obviously, you know, and you splash, you know, editor in chief at the dispatch.com across the screen. But largely, I mean, it is just sort of people telling other people about it. Um, and so uh, you, you ideally uh, get the ball sort of rolling down the hill. And I've been I've been very pleasantly surprised at at how quickly that's that's happened. I was expecting, um, you know, when we started the thing, uh, the bosses were sort of like, well, you know, it's a, it's a long, uh, it's sort of a long shot. It's sort of a, uh, um, it's an unusual uh, uh, business model. We're sort of trying to do something new in order to avoid these problems that a lot of other outlets have, and maybe people will buy it and maybe they won't. And if they, if they do, we'll be a successful company. And if they don't, we'll at least have a fun two years. Um, and that I was sort of like, you know, good enough for me. I, I really like these people. I'd like to work with these people for two years. That's no longer the conversation that we're having. It's no longer like, you know, we're, we're no longer quite laying down the track, uh, you know, as the train uh, goes over it. I, maybe you can put it that way. So I wanted to ask, so the dispatch, the morning dispatch comes out, at least I get it around six o'clock. So do you have to stay up really late or do you have to get up really early? <laughs> so, uh, so it's a team effort, right? And basically the way it works is that, uh, Declan Garvey, uh, who's uh, a good friend of mine who I had not previously worked with, but now we work very closely together. Um, he is essentially, uh, the late night backstop for the thing. So he, uh, stays up inordinately late. I won't tell you how late it's horrifying. Um, most nights getting the thing in, uh, in publishable shape. And then I wake up at about 5.30 to do final edits and to send the thing. And it goes out ideally around 7 o'clock our time, <laughs> which I guess uh, I, uh, I'm trying to remember. You said Michigan. So, okay. Yeah, 7 o'clock your time as well. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it can, it can be earlier if I'm feeling particularly on the ball on a given day or later if, uh, if it's a dark night of the soul sort of situation. But, uh, but yeah, that's sort, of the, that's sort of the way it works. I, I, it turned me into a morning person. I've never really been one of those before. So I've uh, thank you, the dispatch. <laughs> okay. Have you so tried I, cold oatmeal for breakfast? That's I mean, right. I mean, it's a, it's a good start. To cold your oatmeal. <laughs> and you should know this podcast will be heard by dozens. So the, the word of mouth, <laughs> yeah. word of mouth, word of mouth. We should, if we can add a promo code, a, a cold oatmeal promo code to your membership uh, sign up, that would be helpful. We, we can see how many. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you. You left, you left your house, your apartment on the morning of January 6th. What did you think you were going to cover that day? Oh, yeah. I mean, so A, we had no idea really what to expect um, in terms of how the day was going to go. There was an enormous amount of, um, you know, emotional energy in the air. And you could, you could already tell that, you know, even just as you were sort of getting on the metro, um, as, you, as you sort of went into D.C., there were more and more people getting on who were plainly going down to this thing. Um, they were, you know, they were having a good time, but also they were, you know, quite, uh, uh, quite filled with pol political potential energy, maybe, maybe say that. Um, but uh, in the morning, um, as, as the people were all sort of convening and, um, and sort of waiting around for the speeches to get going, um, essentially participating in that part of a group event where, where the, the fun is in the gathering, right? I mean, you, you, it's just like, Oh, I'm not the only person coming out here. There's a whole bunch of other people who, uh, believe similar things to me and who believe, uh, you know, and, and, and who care about bringing the same things around as me. And they're all out here too. And there's an enormous amount of enthusiasm that, that, that is built up through that. Uh, m most of the crowd experience that I've had, uh, at these sorts of events in the past, um, I, I had been to some uh, a number of Stop the Steal rallies just in the past couple of months, particularly down when I was covering the Senate runoffs in Georgia, um, and so there was uh, there was a good amount of the same essential feel, uh, but just on a on a far 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 larger scale because this was sort of like the event um, that that these people had 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 come out for on on a particularly significant day when the um, you know when the electoral uh, sorry. Uh, when when Congress was going to certify the uh, the electoral count, um, and so and and the and the other uh, crowd, um, large DC crowd experience that I've had has mostly been just covering the March for Life most years, um, which didn't happen this year uh, as a result of what uh, ended up unfolding on this day. Um, and so so uh, but 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 just going in, you know, to work my way all the way back around to actually answering your question. 
Um, just going in, it was uh, in my mind and in uh, the mind of my coworker, Audrey Falberg, who co-wrote uh, the piece with me and was down there with me that day, largely going to be a color piece, right? Um, there's a lot of people out here uh, who are stand-ins for a lot of people in America who, um, who still think that this election was brazenly stolen and that and, and these are people who are convinced not only that this happened, but that everybody actually knows that this happened. Um, and it's just a complete uh, sort of bad faith, um, uh, utterly cynical power grab on the part of the other side um, to allow this thing to go forward. Um, and so it was sort of just like, well, you know, there's this po political coalition that believes this very explosive and uh, an actionable thing. Um, and we're going to have to deal with this political coalition uh, as, a, as a country going forward. They're not going away because they they sort of see this as as kind of a, a noble and lost cause. And so, you know, what are their plans? Like, what's going to happen? What, what what's what what is what's uh, what's this coalition going to do going forward? And at the time, we were not necessarily imagining that what they were going to do was going to be something so explosive and so immediate then and there that day. We were sort of thinking about it in terms of, well, how is this energy going to sort of dissipate and color the political conversations that we all have as a nation over the next few years? What are the kind of primary candidates these people are going to support? Who are the current elected officials um, that they still see as loyal to them? Do they still like Ted Cruz? Do they still like Josh Hawley? Do they even still like Mike Pence? And so those were the sorts of um, kind of framing oriented questions that we had in our mind as we were going down there that day. And then obviously as the day went on, it became increasingly clear that it was not uh, first and foremost, a question of how these people were going to go forward into their lives um, politically. That was going to be the story of the day, but actually the day was going to be the story of the day. And that, uh, that I wouldn't say that became immediately clear, but it, it, it was certainly the case um you know, by the end of the morning, by the time the program was going on, that that uh, uh, at least you could you really got the sense that certain members of the crowd were jonesing for some kind of action uh, to to actually go forward and take place. What was there? Was there a moment that, as you're watching, I, I mean, reading your piece on this from the seventh, the storming of the Capitol um, that you wrote with with Audrey and Falberg, um, yeah, I mean, credit to you guys, as you, you mentioned, you, you know, you're going for sort of the, the nuts and the bolts and, and it's not all opinion stuff. And, and it's, it's just a, it's a very matter of fact telling of your experience on that day. But as a human being and not a reporter, was there a moment in that process where you went, oh, shoot, this is different. <laughs> What's happening here? Um, this, is, this is something beyond what I expected. Uh, yes. And the moment was, um, as the program was kind of coming to an end, uh, Donald Trump was the last person to speak. And the, the actual rally itself, I should say, was taking place on, on the ellipse, which is um, this sort of protrusion off the National Mall across from the Washington Monument um, that runs up to the White House lawn. And then it's quite a long walk from there down to the Capitol. But that was sort of the... the uh, the plan going in was that Trump and a, a, a bunch of people and then uh, and then Donald Trump were going to speak at this rally on the ellipse and then the crowd was going to walk down. Um, and Trump spoke for a very long time. Um, I don't know uh, exactly how long because uh, I ended up leaving before the end because the crowd started to leave before the end. And I sort of was like, OK, well, uh, he was sort of just getting into his rally um, uh boilerplate stuff, you know, things that he likes to, to, to talk about in order to, you know, get laughs out of the crowd. And they were all sort of like, yeah, we've heard this before. And so uh, the crowd starts to move down a little early, perhaps. Um, and, and I was not among the first people to walk down, um, but, but early on. Uh, so my sort of experience was that I got down to the Capitol before most of the crowd, but after the point at which the first people who had gotten down there, who were already, uh, I should say, some of the people who were uh, seemingly most intent on um, starting something, who had actually sort of planned for things to go the way that they ultimately did go, um, were some of the first ones down there. And so I missed the like opening sort of spark of confrontation between uh, police and these these early 
members of the crowd who were down there, a lot of whom were these sort of militia types that, that everybody saw pictures of and read about and everything. Um, the police had already pulled back from their initial um, barrier line, which was on the Capitol lawn. Uh, they were originally not going to let anybody on the lawn. And they had already retreated all the way back to the actual um I don't know exactly the right term for it. The, the facade of the Capitol itself, the, uh, the basically the point where it starts to be building. There's like a big, a big uh, run of stairs uh, and ramps up to the building itself, which is sort of up on this uh, platform dais. I'm sorry, I'm not an architecture person, but uh, uh, they, they had retreated back to that, and and the crowd was already starting to sort of fill in onto the lawn, and there were people who had scaled. Um, uh, this scaffolding that was sort of, I, I, I'm still not 100% sure what the point of that scaffolding is. My sense was that maybe it was um, part of inauguration prep, um, you know, for, for uh, camera crews and stuff uh, to be above the action for the inauguration. Um, but, uh, but, you know, they were up in that, up in there. There were people yelling through uh, loudspeakers um, at the crowd, you know, encouraging them to push up, push forward, keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward. Um, and at that point, I, and as I was just walking down there, I overheard one guy telling, you know, another just group of, of marchers that had come down. Yeah, man, they already, they've already like pushed the police back. And I was like, whoa, hold up. That was not my expectation of how this was going to be going. Um, and as I get down there, it's very clear already that, uh, that it's not, it's not nearly as bad as it's going to get, but you could already sort of like look forward, um, just, just observing the current trajectory and just sort of see the way things were going to play out, which was that you had these people down here who had sort of put themselves in positions of authority just by being loud and being, uh, kind of styling themselves as, as the, the leaders of the enterprise, you know, president Trump had told all these people to walk down here. And then once they get down here, these are the people who are directing traffic and they're saying, you know, come on, push forward, push forward. This is what we're here to do. Um, and there's a certain amount of police, um, you know, pushback to that. They're, they're trying to hold this second line. Um, there's a certain amount of a pepper spray that's going off every once in a while. Um, there'll be, uh, I don't know if flashbang is exactly the right term, but some sort of concussion grenade, uh, very loud explosions going off over the heads of the crowd. So, I mean, there's, it's, it's tense already at this point. Um, and I, and, and then as you look back over your shoulder, back down the mall, you see this crowd <laughs> that's just coming to join the crowd in greater and greater and greater numbers. And then particularly after Trump's speech ends, everybody walks down and you just really get this sense that like, wow, this is the, it was sort of the pebbles that start an avalanche, right? I mean, it was, this crowd is small, but it's getting bigger by the minute. And there's no sense as it's getting bigger that its purpose is changing or that it's, um, you know, its direction is, is being altered. Um, and, and just to, to speak to, like you said, sort of the human stuff, there was part of me that as I was observing, as observing all of this, first of all, I was just, I was worried that police were going to like actually crack down quite hard. Like we saw with a lot of the protests over the summer, I didn't particularly want to get arrested. Um, so I was like, how close to this do I actually want to get? Um, but then, uh, on, on a more just sort of human level, it was, it was unnerving to see the number of people who were, who were coming down and sort of, lending their their bodies to this effort sort of lending themselves just just by giving this this crowd more inevitability and more bulk and more momentum who clearly had not themselves internally processed the extent to which something quite intense and extreme was was taking place i mean you just sort of had people strolling down um you know like families i didn't see a lot of children but i mean like 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 a married couples and things like that, or groups of, or, you know, a, a group of women who were all friends who had come in from out of town or just sort of chatting um, among themselves as they're strolling past, you know, these mangled police barricades onto the White House, or sorry, not, not the White House, onto the Capitol lawn singing, you know, God bless America or what have you. And just, it was just, just this sort of stew um, that was taking place where you had enough people who were, deliberately trying to lead the crowd in this direction and enough people who were um, essentially laundering that message, um, you know, yelling like, well, come on, get up here. You know, isn't this what we came here to do? Uh, who had you know, sort of themselves been like, yeah, I guess this is what we're here to do. 
Um, and then enough people who were just sort of going along with the logic of the crowd of the mob um, that it that it led very quickly, surprisingly quickly to this violent confrontational thing. And this also, I think, explains why it is that you had people who not just people who were um, uh who had moved past the original barriers onto the lawn, but actually people who had moved past the second barriers onto the steps, you know, which, which, which required a sort of violent clash between uh, police and protesters where, where they forced their way through this police line, forced the police all the way back up the stairs to guard the doors. And then ultimately, you know, forced their way by sheer, um, you know, physical brawn of the crowd, forced the police back into the, into the Capitol itself and, and, and broke through and you have people who are involved in this effort who aren't ringleading it, um, but who are, you know, in that crowd whose whose bodies are part of the the force that's that's making this happen, who never really processed it. I mean, even people inside came back out and were uh, were sort of nonplussed by the notion that they had done anything uh, particularly wrong. And and so what's the percentage and fewer. What's the percentage of Sorry, people? Go ahead. Okay, what was what's the percentage of people do you think were there who showed up there intent on doing what what happened and those who just kind of thought got caught up in the moment so to speak? Um if you're talking about so the the, the first thing to know is that just due to the massive size of the crowd, um, I mean, this was a huge crowd. They gathered on the mall and just logistically um going going off of sort of how the mall works, um it was already only a small subset of the crowd that was even past the police barriers in the first place. Right. I mean, like you could, you could stuff the lawn and stuff the whole facade of the Capitol with people cheek by jowl. And it probably wouldn't be more than, I don't know, uh, 10% of the, I, I don't even know if, about that. I mean, maybe 5% of, of all the people who had come to the March. Um, and it's also just hard because there's always people filling in the side streets. There's, there's never really any particular vantage point that you can get to on the mall uh, where you can actually take in the whole crowd and get an accurate sense of how many people are there. Um, but, but even just sort of standing at the, uh, at the Ulysses S grant uh, Memorial at the reflecting pool, which is the, uh, the thing that is across the street from the lawn. Um, you can really get a sense of like, there's a ton of people pushing up um, and there's a ton, a ton, a ton of people who haven't even, you know, who aren't even on this side of the reflecting pool or who aren't even on the mall, you know, they're in these side streets or whatever. Um, and so if you're talking about actual instigators, then that's the second thing. Quite a small number would be my my sort of approximation way of saying I have no idea how many um, under 500. I would say under 500 people, maybe under 100 people um, who were who were down there as the um, as the actual hard and fast instigators who had this, you know, specific you know, people who were wearing riot gear uh, to begin with, who'd, who'd come prepared to clash with cops. A much greater number, though, than those. And this was sort of the the key thing for me. Um, and the thing how when you talk about um, instigation, uh, you know, to, to the extent that President Trump or anybody else who spoke that day or who just sort of fed this lie online that the election had been stolen, um, to the extent that they they instigated what happened that day. It was not in the minds of these people. It was not in the minds of these people who, you know, came and came with riot gear. Cause these, these people had a relative clarity about the, about what was happening. They were like, yeah, we're going to go and we're going to try to take the Capitol by force. Um, and, and, and maybe uh, president Trump's rhetoric fed into that desire and maybe it didn't. But the, I think that the biggest impact that all of that rhetoric had and that all of the, um, you, you're really not going to stand for this. Are you sort of, uh, uh, those sorts of arguments that were made plentifully that day, as well as, you know, just online and on uh, internet media for weeks and weeks ahead of that time, that was what made the whole swath of the crowd that ultimately was sort of um, weaponized in this way. That's what made them vulnerable to that. That's what made them um, susceptible to those lines of argumentation, such that when this relatively small, uh, batch of, of really, really, really bad apples um, were like, hey, we're going to do this insane, wild thing uh, that, that that didn't fall on deaf ears. There was so little. It's, it's really hard to communicate. There was practically zero internal resistance uh, within the crowd to what was happening at any point in time that I saw. I think I saw two single people who were 
plainly dismayed that about what was going on and were sort of vainly trying to to you know be a uh, batter against the tide of 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 the the mob action that was taking place like hey you know i, I are, are are we antifa are we um, you know are, are are we here to to accomplish our aims through violence um no and no and and it was it was just it was just it was really kind of striking to see these people just sort of and again, just a, a very small handful of people who were pushing against this thing and ultimately sort of being shouted down by people who were saying, well, no, this is exactly what we came here to do. Even if they, even if they themselves hadn't, wouldn't have said that, you know, three hours before, even if they themselves would never have thought that, um, that, you know, we're, we're going to actually try to try to batter down, uh, the, the doors of the U S Capitol. Um, and it was sort of this, just this emergent property, and, and also fed into by the fact that they, a lot of them were mad that the Capitol Police thought they were acting like a mob. You know, they were they were mad about the about the fact that the Capitol Police were doing uh, riot control tactics at all. And and you could you could sort of make the argument that that the uh, the Capitol Police actually used perhaps the exact worst amount of force, just because um, there was enough. Uh, if, if you're going to strike out with force in that situation as law enforcement, you really need to strike out with enough force to actually get the situation under control, right? Because um, because really all that happened was they slowed the crowd a little bit, which I guess you can't you can't um, you can't argue that's that's not important because they had to evacuate lawmakers from the from, from the Capitol building. So I mean that and and it was apparently a very tight shave. I mean it was. It, it, it all happened very quickly when the, when the actual capital itself was breached and and it, from from what we can can piece together um you know lawmakers made it out of the building kind of only just in time so i don't want to i don't want to diminish that in that sense the capitol police were very undermanned um and 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 just completely outgunned um they they accomplished that purpose uh heroically i would say um but just from from a from a sheer like kind of um crowd uh uh psychology point of view they really there was really just enough pepper spray and just enough kind of concussive grenades and things like that to make everybody mad and not to make anybody think twice about uh this sort of mob action sorry i I know that was a very rambling way of of answering what you asked i imagine washington dc never felt further away from hillsdale yeah well i mean it never feels all that close hillsdale's very small but uh uh but yeah i mean it was it was I don't know. It was something else. It was a wild, wild, wild afternoon. Is there? A, is, is there? That, a, oh, go ahead, Laura. I was going to say, is is there? Was there ever a moment where you were standing there and you were like, "Is this really happening?" Like, I feel like it would have felt like you were in a TV show or watching a movie or something. Like, this, it's not real life. Yeah, I, yeah. When I when I first got down to the the mall, or yeah, sorry, to the capital side of the mall, um, and and saw that there was actually this this mob action going on and that police were actually pushing back. I, I, I did not, I was never personally, um, I, I didn't personally cover any of the, um, unrest that took place in DC over the summer. We had other people who were down there for that, but I just never happened to be the one who was, you know, down there, um, on, on a given evening, uh, you know, actually watching these clashes take place. So I had, I, it was new in that sense to me to see this sort of thing happening at all, you know, let alone happening, on the backdrop of the United States Capitol. I mean, and, and, and sort of with the, the whole supposed, you know, symbolic might of the, of the federal government just sort of momentarily and, and, and momentarily is the right way to put it swept aside by just this, this sort of sheer will to action on, on the part of a crowd. Is there an image that will kind of live in your brain? about this day um i i'd say two um one i mentioned that there were a couple of people who were who were pushing back um and 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 one of those instances was that there was a guy um in uh, a bulletproof vest with kind of and 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 camo uh who had a, a loudspeaker who was standing back on the end of the lawn, um, basically just trying to convince more and more people to run up onto the lawn. He was yelling charge, uh, through his, through his loudspeaker. And, uh, and there was this, what, what 
this person who struck me as being maybe like a 17 year old kid in a black coat and a silly yellow scarf who was very visibly distressed and was sort of just like running after this guy. And every time he yelled charge through his megaphone, this kid would yell, don't charge. Just like, I mean, just like really trying his best to, uh, to count again, to counteract this, um, this action. And, and, and there was almost a confrontation between this kid and this guy. I mean, the kid, the guy kind of rounded on the kid and was, you know, like, like if you're not, if you're, if you're not here to help, you know, like get out of the way and let somebody else, uh, who is here to help, help and with more profanity and things like that as a paraphrase. But, um, and, and then a couple of other people from the crowd had to come to this kid's defense. It was very, very fraught right in that moment. And then the other, um, was that as I was standing up there on the white house lawn, or I'm sorry, I keep saying white house on the Capitol lawn. Um, and, uh, cause I had, I had gone again, past the first set of barriers myself onto the lawn. There was a man who was dressed like uncle Sam, who was sort of directing traffic onto the lawn, essentially saying, you know, come on forward, come on forward. They can't stop all of us. You're walking onto the right side of history. And I was just feeling very, a uh, whole lot of anxiety at that moment. Like, like, you, like th- this guy, these people don't know what they're walking into. And this guy is essentially just I don't know if he's just some kind of zealot or, or if he's, you know, um, being very strategic about this, but, but I mean, he's, he's doing a lot of harm right now. And I was just standing there trying to figure out like, should I stop some of these people? Like I, I'm here to observe, but like, should I be like, you, know, you you don't necessarily want to walk up there, you know, like, like, like you don't necessarily know what's in store if you walk up there. Uh, and, and as I'm standing there, um, uh, you know, just sort of trying to figure out how I'm, how to parse all these things. I didn't end up saying anything to anybody. Basically, I just did what I was actually supposed to do and, and, and observed or reported, but I kind of still wish I had, maybe, I don't know. Um, but there was a lady then who walked up to me and she handed me uh, a, a prayer card. Um, and I, 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 I'm, I'm looking around my office right now. I don't know. I think I still have it, but I don't, I, I don't remember the specifics for what it was. She was like, here, do you want this? And I was like, I don't know. I'm really freaked out right now. And she was like, well, I think that, that, that probably means you need this. And I really appreciated that in that moment. Um, and then uh, I, I'm, I'm like reading this thing over. I'm still standing by this woman and a guy comes walking back who had been up at the very front lines. And he, I don't think he was in, um, I can't quite remember right now. I don't think he was in like the, the fatigues or anything. There was nothing that like identified him as a militia guy or anything like that. But he was a big guy and he'd clearly been up right at the front tussling with police and he'd gotten pepper sprayed. And, uh, and he, you know, he has tears streaming down his cheeks. You know, they, he, oh, they really got me. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, somebody g- grabs a bottle of water for him to wash out his eyes. And he's talking to this woman who just handed me this prayer card. Um, and, uh, and she's like, well, what, you know, what happened to you? And, and he said, well, I got, I got pepper sprayed by the police. And she was so indignant about that. She was, she couldn't even believe that, that Capitol police would have pepper sprayed a member of what to her mind was just this crowd of Patriots who wanted the elections to go forward without fraud, you know? And, 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 and she, she said, you know, like, well, come on, what do they think we're going to do? And that to me was like the, the foundational <laughs> moment to my understanding of, of what, of what was, was happening because a certain number of people in this crowd abetted and assisted in acts that they never in a million years even thought people on their side, quote unquote, of the aisle, people who were fellow travelers with them would ever dream of doing. And yet here they were themselves participating in exactly that. And, and just the, the cognitive dissonance of, of how a person could hold both those things in their heads at once, um, even under sort of the, the heat of the, the heat of the moment was just so striking to me. And so I will remember that. I think <laughs> it's a long winded way of answering your question, but that is going to stick with me. Well, Andrew, I appreciate you sharing all that. That is fascinating to, to hear from someone who was there on the ground and I appreciate you taking some time today to talk to us on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Um, Andrew Egger, you can follow him at Egger, E-G-G-E-R-D-C on Twitter. Also, you can read his stuff on thedispatch.com. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, Andrew.
Okay, we are back. Andrew Egger, that was good. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I thought that was really interesting. You know, it's 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 funny, and I'm well, it's not funny. It's probably not the right word. You can, funny. You can say funny. <laughs> you know, people have so many people have talked about January sixth as one of those where were you when kind of events, and it strikes me that I think most of us would all say we were at home. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because we yeah. Were, right. We don't go anywhere. It was a pandemic. We were all at home, sitting in various places. I, I was mean, on my couch. I was sitting in the kitchen, <laughs> the, the kitchen counter. I wasn't paying attention. I like knew it was happening. Like, mm, yeah, I didn't. Ass. I didn't watch it on TV either. Yeah, I had. I, don't I was. Care. I was watching the Twitter feed. I was watching yeah. news on my computer, but I did not watch it on TV. Me either. Mm-mm. I was mostly just on Twitter, looking at stuff. What about Nick? You, Nick? What you? Were you? What were you doing? I, I was um, trying to walk a few clients through um, their approach to the day. So I, I was, was a whole work thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but I, I mean, I, but as I was sort of following along because I, I had to know what was happening to help them understand what to say and when to say it. Um, I, I remember just watching that, watching the the feed come through on online and going, this is really weird. Like, I can't believe this is happening. This is like, it was just sort of surreal. Yeah. And then I, I called my mother-in-law because she had Carter. Um, he, she had picked him up from school that day and I, I was supposed to go pick him up um, after Asher got home from school. And uh, I called and, and I said, I, I've got stuff like crazy going on right now. Can you bring him over? Can I come get him? I mean, it's going to be hours. Sarah was working that night or whatever. And, and she answered the phone and was crying. Um, she was at home watching it on TV. And I remember that's when it hit me that this is okay. This is really something like my mother-in-law, who's not a a particularly political creature at all, um, was in tears um, watching what was happening on the news while I was just, you know, typing away at the computer. So I paid a little closer attention after that on a personal level. There was a moment in the afternoon and Brenda will attest to how angry I was. And it was certainly not this person's fault, but one of the, one of the, uh, the blessings, and I, I use that word loosely, of, of owning a small business is that we get to pay our taxes, our estimated taxes every quarter in advance of what we actually owe. Okay. Steph is shaking her head. She remembers yes. these days. The worst, if there is something in the federal government, IRS, it makes, makes any matter than this. It's like paying taxes on income you haven't even earned yet in anticipation for what they think you will make. And, uh, my accountant sent me my fourth quarter bill at two 30 on January 6th. Mm. And it was a large bill. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You're I'm getting this bill. I have to write this check to those people right now. <laughs> those people, the, the capital is burning down all of those people. And this is what I, I get this bill right now. This couldn't not a worse time. Oh, I was so mad. Anyway, I'll get off my, my crazy. You, didn't, you didn't book a plane ticket to Washington. Like, Let's go. And get there and, yeah. Let me in. <laughs> anyway, I want to change change gears a bit. I think I want. I've got an experiment. I want to ask. I want to get your input on, and I, I'm definitely going to need our listeners' input on this. So I think Joe and Carly, you've you know a little bit about where I'm going. We are. We are. I don't. Well, I haven't told you yet here, but oh. we were brainstorming last week about some cold oatmeal merch. Mm-hmm. Right, some t-shirt, oh. some t-shirts, maybe. I have an idea. I th- I think we should lean on the creative powers of our followers on Twitter, our fans. We have a lot of them. We have a number of people who are dying, so dying to get on this podcast. They're actually tweeting about wanting to be on the podcast. I think we should ask for some shirt ideas. What oh, should like that. what yeah. should be on a cold oatmeal t-shirt? Mm. I'm willing to put up some funds to to get some shirts. And maybe we can put some, we can hand out some shirts as some awards as some, let's see what people, what do you think? I like that. Idea. I like that. But here's like, are you going to commit to making a shirt that someone else designs? Like what if, how no. does this work? Like, okay, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I thought. No, I want to see what the ideas are. We just, and we'll see. Wouldn't let's, it just be the logo? It can't be the logo. I that, guess that, that would not win. No, oh. It's gotta be something good. Yeah. Something other than the logo. I'm so is there a prize for there. like a person who I'm well, well depending what, what do you on the want shirt, to do? I think if depending on the shirt, okay. I, I'm willing to get some shirts with, if, with the winning design. Okay. And clearly you get a shirt. So you, are you asking people to design <laughs> it or to write in with their idea of what the design on the shirt should be? They, whatever they want. They just need to go to the, the at cold oatmeal pod and put a, what do you call it? 
Nikki, a meme? A tweet? A meme? Oh, a meme? <laughs> a meme? A meme or a no, meme, no, as no. Matt would say, no, no, three no, years no. ago. A little no, picture. No. We'll design it up. And, and then how, how are these judged? Is this just you or are we, we going to give them back to the bring them back. Okay. We will bring them back to the, an, an episode in the future and we will okay. talk about shirt submissions. Okay. <laughs> I have a feeling it's just going to be a bunch of blue whales. <laughs> we can set some ground rules right now that a whale on a shirt will lose okay yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> all right like what that. would you put on a shirt i don't know man you just put me on the spot uh <laughs> i know my floating head would be on there yeah that's what i was thinking oh. joe's head eating the oatmeal maybe food. like sal tackling an alligator oh that's a good one that is a good one. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's okay, well, we shouldn't give. Yeah, people don't give no don't, more don't ideas. Don't help people too much. <laughs> you guys can win too, I guess. You guys can. Well, you, you'll have to wear that. You'll all have to wear the shirts. If I have to buy them, there's probably a minimum of how many shirts you have to actually buy to to get them. So you all have to wear them. So anyway, okay. At Cold Oatmeal Pod, send us your T-shirt ideas. Like a plan? Yes. Yes. Can't wait. Sounds super fun. Your enthusiasm is awesome. Thank you, team. Um, Andrew Egger was our guest today. Uh, he's with the dispatch.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Egger DC. Uh, he's a good follow. He's a, he's a funny guy on Twitter. You should follow him, read his stuff, uh, subscribe to the dispatch. Even. Um, and with that, I think we can call it a call it an episode, right? Yeah. Yep. Peace. Yeah. I think that's right. Thanks everyone. You've been listening to the cold oatmeal podcast.